0: Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining Jews in Nebraska to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in Omaha, and I'm joined with my co-host Liz Felstern in Jerusalem. Today, Liz and I will be talking about things other than politics, since now we know what the politics of Israel are all about. Liz, how are you, and what do you want to talk about today?
1: Hey, Alan. You know, I'm Super excited that there are, not that I don't love talking about politics, but I'm super excited that there are other things to talk about, it feels like right now, other things that are making the news in Israel. Because really, for the first time in six months plus, there's, you know, anybody has had the bandwidth to think about things besides these fourth elections and what would happen and what would the results be and would there be a government now that, you know, it's still early days and we'll see what happens with this government, but there's nothing you know, burning, happening right now. And so there's all kinds of other interesting things going on in the news.
0: So and, what what have you been following that you think uh, we should be sharing with folks here in Nebraska?
1: Well, we can talk about some more serious ones that I do think people in Nebraska should be following, but I'll throw out one interesting tidbit that was in the news this week, which sort of is the extreme and shows how we've had the opportunity to step away from... You know, national life or death matters, and take on some less heavy issues. Uh, so, people in Omaha might be familiar with the area of Israel called the Lower Galilee. It's not too, yeah.
0: So you not, know that that the Western Galilee is our consortium community. So you, Lower Galilee is below the Western Galilee.
1: Yes, it is below the Western Galilee and east of the Western Galilee. It's not as Western, Um, and apparently the lower Galilee is not happy with its name. It doesn't want to be the lower anything, Um, you know, in addition to the connotations of the word lower in English, in the Hebrew name, Hagalila Tachton, has the same connotations, and even a little bit more so because technically you could translate Hagalila Tachton as the bottom roll of toilet paper, and so they apparently are not happy with their name. So the council decided to change it.
0: So what's Quiet the now. so what's the, the translation that would give it this, the the uh, meaning of a roll of toilet paper?
1: A Galil is galil. a roll. It's a roll. hmm. Um. And the so the regional council officially decided that the name will change, but they are having a voting process. To determine the new name. The voting process will take place this week from Tuesday to Thursday. Residents have three days in which to vote, and anyone over the age of 16 in the Lower Galilee is eligible to vote, which I thought was super interesting. I've never heard of elections that 16-year-olds are allowed to vote in, but I guess they're going to be the next generation of the soon-to-be-formerly-known-as-Lower-Galilee region, so they want to have a say. So in the very near future, you'll be learning the new name, which will be one of four options. <laughs> uh, and you heard it here first. Those options are Shal HaGalil, which means the gateway to the Galil, Mevoot Galil, which means the entrances to the Galil, Sdot HaGalil, which means the fields of the Galil, or Eget HaGalil, which means the land of the Galil. So the Galil part is staying, but what the first part of the name is, we'll we'll find out soon.
0: So I, I think those are all really nice names. Um, I have a question though for you: Is there some desire to have just another round of elections in Israel? They miss having <laughs> elections, and they want to be able to have something that's light and and uh, not maybe, so maybe.
1: Maybe people are you know used to going to the polls every six months; they were itching to go back. <laughs> And that's what happened. It it is a a little bit in fashion in that neighborhood of Israel right now to be changing one's name. I am Nazareth Elite. Nazareth Elite also went through a name change process a little less than two years ago. And they're sort of direct neighbors of uh, the Lower Galilee. So I guess, you know, got to keep up with the neighbors.
0: So let me ask you another question. You mentioned that Uh, as young as 16 are eligible to vote, are these going to be monitored um, rigorously or just uh, randomly showing up and I'm 16 or older and I get to vote? So what process of identifying somebody who's eligible to vote?
1: So my guess is that the reason why the age is 16 is because that is the age at which all Israelis officially have and carry their own identity card. In Israel, we have a, an identity card a se'ut, that is not the same as a social security card and it's not the same as a driver's license. So it's not exactly something that you have an equivalent to in the U.S. Until the age of 16, children are um, written as an appendage in their parents' identity card. And at 16, you get your own. So it is part of being able to really track these elections and, and have them be, you know, fair and, and straightforward. I'm sure we'll be very organized.
0: <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing what the result is next week when we talk.
1: Mm-hmm. What other,
0: uh, what other non-exciting headlines have you been uh, following?
1: Well, I know you guys have a lot of sports things going on right now. What's, what's going on in Omaha sport-wise?
0: So good question. So right now we're in the middle of the College World Series, which is one of the most, uh, prevalent uh, sports events in Omaha, Nebraska every year, Omaha hosts the college world series, which are the college baseball teams from around the country that compete. And they end up in the finals here in Omaha and it's uh, it's colleges from all across the country. So right now they're um, getting ready for the finals of that. It's very exciting. And I think, you know, thank you for mentioning sports. We also host the Olympic swim trials, uh, another very popular activity for Omaha. So during uh, this process, we've had lots of people come into Omaha as we, like in Israel, we started to loosen up the COVID restrictions. And I I hate to say that one of the teams had to withdraw because of uh, uh, positive COVID tests. So it is Mm -hmm. still impacting us. And I don't remember hearing anything about the swim trials if COVID was an issue there. But I uh, was also reading in the news the other day that the Israeli baseball team will be heading to the Olympics, uh, which, I again, I find that very, very exciting uh, to connect the College World Series and uh, the Olympics for Israel to have a team represented there. Are you following that at all? Do you want anything about the Israeli baseball team?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's very exciting that Israel has a baseball team. I'm not sure that any of the players are um, native Israelis. You know, baseball is not a common sport here. It's growing. There are a lot of uh, expats of Americans that would like to see a baseball culture grow in Israel. So it's slowly sort of getting a little bit more on the radar. Um, but the the players on this particular team that are representing Israel are—it's very exciting. They're very sweet guys. They actually came out and coached my kids little league team last year, when they were getting ready for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, that didn't happen. Um, And, and we'll see what happens. You know, it's definitely a source of pride for the people who know that it exists, which I do have to admit is a pretty small segment of the Israeli populace.
0: I do remember when I was living in Israel that uh, there would be a group of people that would get together and play baseball. And there are a couple of kibbutzim that also uh, have active teams. So Israel is moving up in the world in terms of baseball. Uh, There was also a movie a couple of years ago describing the uh, world baseball uh, efforts by Israel. And it was made up of mostly American uh, baseball players. So we'll have to see what happens. Do you know of any other uh, individuals or sports that will be representing Israel at the Olympics?
1: I I I don't know off the top of my head. I think there's always very good representation for judo. I am um, is a sport where Israel does well. Uh, gymnastics, there's often representation. Um and. On a not Olympic note, but just another interesting tidbit that I heard the other day, I would not have guessed that Israel has um, a national synchronized swimming competition, right? It's such a small country. I don't know how we have enough talented people to keep all of these sports going, but apparently we do. And a classmate of my son's took first place in the national synchronized swimming. So that's very exciting.
0: It is good. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So we'll have to, you know, watch the Olympics and talk about how Israel uh, does. Uh, other things in the in the news that's uh, not p- politics related that you want to mention?
1: Yeah, there's there were lots of things in the news this week. Um you know, on a more somber note, um and actually we'll connect to something else more timely going on state side that we can talk about. But you know, I um, just a couple months ago we had the tragedy at Hal Haumeon at Mount Meron um that happened on Lagba Omer. And officially now a commission has been put together to investigate. So it's good to know that it, it will be looked into in a nonpartisan way and, and figure out, you know, if there are any takeaways and things we can hopefully learn from this tragedy, certainly at the very least, to make sure that something like it doesn't happen again. So that's A positive
0: step that was in the news this week. Do you think there's a a tie-in to, not so much to that tragedy, but um, Israel's attempt to investigate that, as well as the work they do around the world in helping during disasters? And I know that I read today that a team from Israel is going to Florida to kind of help with the Mm -hmm. uh, apartment building that collapsed uh, this week, uh, Mm -hmm. helping to rescue and Uh, investigate the incident. Are you seeing that being discussed in Israel?
1: Well, I mean, I will say in sort of a tongue-in-cheek way that it's very Jewish to want to investigate something like this, right? Everybody thinks that they know better and are an expert, but the truth is there are really experts that, that know very well, right? Structural engineers and and, and public events people that that will be able to look at it and determine, you know, could we, should we have done something differently? Um, so I think it's not uncommon, right? And certainly, I mean this is what is the largest, um, you know, civilian tragedy in the history of Israel. It certainly makes sense that there's going to be a thorough and you know, looking into it.
0: Yeah, it is a it is a, a tragedy. The other thing that I want to just kind of talk about in terms of that is just the world acceptance of Israel when there is a tragedy that Israel is first and ready to have a team travel almost anywhere that they're invited to, and sometimes when they're not invited to, to help in the response. Uh, it's a positive thing for us to see uh, Israel volunteering and showing up and uh, providing aid do Israelis take pride in the fact that they're skilled and experienced in addressing some of these issues?
1: Definitely. I mean, look, the it, to some extent, I mean, it ties into a lot of uh, Jewish values, but also in, in practical terms, if you think about the fact that so, so many Israelis are thoroughly trained in all sorts of skills because of their military service that they're going to use during those three years of military service, hopefully in much more peacetime than anything else. But to be able to go on after giving up themselves and their, you know their time at that young point in their life, to take those skills and be able to apply them, in other types of situations and other parts of the world is, is fantastic, right? We have so many people that trained as disaster relief and medical personnel and all types of emergency response. And they, they really take seriously, I think the, the fact that they're in the privileged position of having those skills of gotten the highest level of, you know, training and being able to use it in parts of the world that that wouldn't have those abilities otherwise
0: well i know that there's a pretty skilled team already in america that's in florida Um, i hope that the israeli team will help and discover and rescue some people i mean the number of people that are still unaccounted for is so high that i Mm -hmm. hope that there's still some time left for them to be rescued yes i hope so On on another note that I will share with you in a future time is, I know there's a recent report about a happiness index, a world happiness index, and uh, Israel has, uh, over the past several years, scored very high, not in the top 10, but it's scored in the top 25 of being happy countries. So maybe in a future uh, podcast, we can talk about why Israel is such a happy country.
1: Absolutely. We can try and analyze why that might be, why Israel's happier than America, right? I think we're higher on the index.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, this current index, Israel was 13, and I think America was uh, 20 or 30, something like that. I'll, I'll get those numbers accurately next time we talk. But uh, yeah, I mean, Israel is the 13th happiest country in the world.
1: Well, I'm sure we have all the answers, so we will we will get to the bottom and we will thoroughly explain why Israel is number 13. Uh,
0: in the time we have left, any other interesting topics you want to share with us?
1: Um, I'll throw out just one more uh, interesting tidbit from the news this week. Israel is most likely soon to become the second country in the world to require that all car seats um, be installed with a device that is meant to prevent a child from being accidentally left in a car. You know, especially because of our uh, very warm climate here in Israel, and in part because we have a very high number of children. I guess there there have been unfortunately tragedies in the past where children have been forgotten in a car, even for a very short amount of time can be very dangerous and and even deadly. So it's been something that's been talked about for for a long time. And there are all sorts of optional things that you can, apps you can put on your phone, baby reminders to make sure that this doesn't happen. But on a national level, it will now be a requirement that every car seat for a child up until the age of four have one of these devices. Now, I will just add that there is some debate as to whether this is um, actually a much stronger statement about the health of various lobbying entities in Israel, because it's gonna make a ton of money for the very small number of companies that make these devices. Um, And it's gonna solve a problem, which of course is important, but maybe isn't or, or never was on a scale that would normally require such a heavy handed, you know, government required national response. So it's an interesting case. We'll see what happens.
0: Do you know how many incidences there are a year where children are being left in the car?
1: I am. So I saw a statistic that said something in the range of 35 deaths in the past 10 years.
0: So to your point, not a significant number, but yet it's still a life. That's lost.
1: Yes. It is something that you hear about happening every year. So that number, uh, right, of a couple every year does ring true to me because you usually do hear about it, unfortunately.
0: You you hear about it in the States as well. You said mm-hmm. Israel would be the second country. Do you know the first country that's requiring this?
1: I believe it is Italy.
0: Good, good, good to know that. In,
1: Mediterranean countries <laughs> sticking together.
0: I think it, you referenced it being a big lobby effort. Would this, uh, would there be financial support for families who can't afford to install this in a car seat? Would there be government support for that?
1: So, the way that it's written now does not include government support. But I have already heard of one organization, uh, Yad Saga, which people might be familiar with. It's a very large organization in Israel that does a lot of lending. Or reduced cost medical equipment that they have committed themselves to making this device available for families that cannot afford it. Uh, Now we're talking about millions of devices, though, right? If it's for every car seat, that means families that have multiple children need multiple ones of this device, and it means that grandma and grandpa and babysitter also need the device for the car seat that's in their car. So. How much aid is going to be available? Whether it's going to keep pace with how many of these are you know needed, we'll see.
0: So it, it opens up quite a few conversations. Uh, one, how is it going to be monitored or or enforced? Uh, and two, what happens if uh, the child is left in the car even with the device? Uh, so there are quite a few pieces to this that probably need to be worked out first, but thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that with us today. Um, Any other topics you want to address before I let you go back to your life?
1: I think we've given people a pretty good variety for one week. Not that politics aren't happening. You know, uh, Yeir Lapid is poised to take both of his first foreign trips this week.
0: Um, So there are
1: politics uh, happening.
0: He's on his way to Rome to meet with uh, uh, Anthony Blinken.
1: hmm Then he'll come back to Israel, and then he'll go uh, on a second trip to to the UAE.
0: Good. And I understand so, that President Rivlin is making his last trip as president of Israel to Washington DC to meet with President Biden. So, so Israel is is really opening up and. Getting back to its usual self.
1: Yeah, well, at least for politicians. <laughs> I mean, we don't know what's going on with regular people. This week has been a little bit of a setback in terms of COVID. The mask mandate, which had been lifted, was reinstated as of Friday. I am um, you stateside, maybe very well aware that vaccinated tourists were meant to be allowed in as of July one. It's been pushed back to August one. So we're in a little bit of an in-between place. Just seeing what happens numbers wise, because we have had this uptick. Um, But hopefully we'll continue moving in the right direction and we can go in the steps of our elected leaders and travel.
0: Well, hopefully we will be able to travel soon. uh, You back to the States and me back to Israel and others back to Israel. So Liz, thank you again for your time today. And for everybody else, you've been listening to Israel Rebound, our podcast joining uh, Nebraska and Israel in conversation. Liz, thank you very much and have a great week.
1: Thanks, Alan. Have a good week, everybody.